Hi, I'm Lori Denning, and this is my podcast, The 20-Minute Scriptorian, where I explore LDS scripture and doctrine for the Come Follow Me curriculum for The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Like most of you, I'm a typical Latter-day Saint, and I've held a variety of callings, from gospel doctrine teacher to institute. I've always loved learning and sharing the scriptures of Christ. Recently, I went back to school, and I'm currently a theology student where I get to learn context, history, ancient languages, and more importantly, how to learn. I thought you might want to share in what I was learning, and the 20-minute scriptorian was born. While I am a believer, these thoughts are my own, and they are not an official representation of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thanks for listening, and join me on the journey as we explore the scriptures and the path of the disciple of Christ. Welcome back, Scriptorians. Hey, I wanted to get right into it. We are on part three of First Nephi, chapter one. I know I kept saying First Nephi and then the verse, but don't be confused. We're still in chapter one of First Nephi, and we're kind of heading into the next section. So what, if we recall, I wanted to do Lehi's record, which is kind of what we did last time. And then in part two, I want to talk about Lehi's visions, plural, Next time, we'll jump into Nephi a little bit and his The Tender Mercies, I think the what the theme of the book of Nephi is going to be. And then lastly, we'll talk about the text itself. So let's jump into Lehi's visions because there's just a lot to go on here. So excuse me if it seems a little bit scattered. There's so much material um, that in try, instead of trying to like tie it together or do some kind of <clears throat> thematic reveal, reveal scriptorians. We're just going to jump right in since we know the story so well. So let's read First Nephi, and we're in verse 1, and we've just left the section. We started with Lehi, so we're going to come back to Nephi, but we started with Lehi, and then he has heard about this uh, prophesying by various prophets and what's going on in town, and then we turn the page here. So join me there now. So first thing to notice, or at least jumped out at me, is that this, these are a couple of visions, two or, or three even. And when I think back to this story, I often uh, kind of forget uh, the series of how they go and kind of lump them in my mind as one. And so to sit and pause and talk about them, I think, is worthwhile. First, first thing that jumped out to me is that there are many, many, many uh, examples in the scriptures of the Lord revealing himself to a prophet. And so if you think um, think about some examples you can think of, when was an example of when the Lord actually revealed himself to a prophet? And there are some specifics. The first one um, we see is this, this pillar of fire and a rock. And then we also have, and then second one, a God on his throne with angels surrounding his throne. So can you think of any examples of those and... Uh, let's see if we can learn anything from him. I wrote down a few that jumped out at me. First, that Joseph Smith, obviously. Joseph Smith being the first vision of actually in the first vision, seeing God the Father and Son Jesus Christ. That one jumps out as probably the most recent to, to modern history. Additionally, Joseph Smith in section 76, when he and Sidney Rigdon see the Lord as well as visions into the three degrees of glory. Also, section 110 in the uh, commencement of the Kirtland Temple dedication in section 110. Um, Going historically, uh, Adam certainly walked and talked with the Lord. So that one kind of jumps out. The brother of Jared, 
We're going to read about that in the Book of Mormon later, but the brother of Jared sees the Lord, and that's kind of an amazing story in itself. Abraham. So both in uh, the Abraham of uh, Genesis and in the Book of Abraham, Abraham has a theophany, a vision of God. Uh, Jacob, um, his grandson, we know, has one where he is going this last night where he's crossing out of the land uh, in, at nighttime, and he, he lays down, and he has this vision of what we call Jacob's ladder, right? Ladder going to heaven and the angels going up and down. And he, he names the place the face of God, uh, Penuel. He names it the face of God. And, and then the sun rises and we have a new Jacob as well. Great story there. Continuing on, we see Moses. Uh, and that's probably the story that we're going to hark. This, this should just be ringing all kinds of, hey, this sounds like Moses bells, right? Moses is in Sinai when he's a shepherd, um, and he goes up to Sinai and, and sees God. Remember, take off your shoes, your sandals, and he sees the burning bush and then sees God. Uh, additionally, Moses was going to see the Lord numerous times in Exodus 19, Exodus 33. Additionally, his brother and sister Aaron Miriam do as well. Um also, going back even a little bit farther back, uh, Haggai, uh, Abraham's um, handmaid, San, uh, Sarah's handmaid, sees the Lord and says, hey, I've seen the Lord. Uh, another vision of a prophet, Isaiah 6, right, is laying down in the temple, so he has a dream. Ezekiel 1, he's on the banks of the canal of the river and has that. Acts 7, um, Stephen is being stoned, and he looks up and sees the vision of God on his throne and Christ on the side of uh, the book of Revelation, which we just covered four and five, in which we see the vision of God on his throne being surrounded by uh, angels as well as the 24. We also have uh, the Lehi's dream. We're going to see a little bit in the Nephi's dream a little bit farther into the future. We see uh, Alma the Younger uh, when he sees an angel and then talks about um, being saved by the Lord. So we see these stories kind of over and over and over and over again, and, and certainly there are some that are going to ring true. So let's talk. So I just jot, jotted those down, and then I was like, man, there are a lot of them, and uh, there are more. So if you keep going, um, there's uh, more in uh, First Kings. Um, they just go on and on. So if it doesn't, it would be an interesting study to say, what are these visions? What are they seeing? What are the commonalities? So if you want to jump into that, please do. But let's jump into just a couple that I think would jump out to Lehi as well as readers of the brass plates or us as readers of the Old Testament. And so the first thing that he sees, or the first thing that jumped out at me, remember we talked about last time was that there was a great amount of wickedness and that the, it says here even the prophets multiple are prophesying that they would need to repent. And um, we're going to learn later from uh, maybe a little bit from Nephi and Sam, but certainly from Laman and Lemuel, there's no way the great city of Jerusalem could be destroyed. And so that must be common thought, right? This, this is this kingdom. Uh, we're going to see that in Jeremiah as well, who's a contemporary. People are going to say, there's no way. This is God's chosen place and, and that he's in the temple. There's no way this is going to be destroyed. So it's almost like, yeah, no matter what we do, um, it's, it can't happen. And yet here are the prophets saying, yes, it's going to. I love verse 5 when it says that uh, Lehi, as he went forth and prayed, so something happens to Lehi. He's kind of a, in the story so far as we know, it seems like she's like a normal guy. He's, he's, he's not a prophet at this point. He's a normal guy. And something changes. He hears these prophets prophesying and something pricks his heart. Something changes him. And he, he goes somewhere, went forth. He, he's not praying at the temple. He's not praying in his house. Um, he goes out into the wilderness. 
<laughs> which is striking, right? Often, you know, the Lord went out into the wilderness 40 days and 40 nights. John the Baptist goes out into the wilderness. The Israelites are taught out in the wilderness. And you see this motif over and over again. So as he journeys forth, he's going out somewhere. You're going to see with Enos. Enos is out away from other people. So that jumped out at me. And then I love this as, as he prayed unto the Lord with all his heart all his heart. So this isn't, this is some, something that the ancient prophets really pushed for is that we needed to change our hearts. We needed to change something inside. This wasn't just some box that we checked is that he's out here. He's, he's repenting. Um, he is uh, concerned, but not just for himself. He's concerned for his people. And so it says he's, he's praying with all his heart, all his heart. I love that so much. We learned so much about Lehi in just a few words. And, it, and he's praying in behalf of his people. And as he's praying, now, here's one thought, and I want to thank um, Joe Spencer and, and some of the team on this one. They think, hey, if you're out in the wilderness praying and you were repenting, if you were repenting, the action you would have taken place was to perform a sacrifice. So it may have been that he had built an altar and was performing a sacrifice to repent. That was one of the elements of repentance that would have been required. And so how he has the priesthood, how he's doing this um, is a time for a different story, a different story. But if he was indeed doing this out there performing the sacrifice and then it says as he's praying, there's this element of heart repentance prayer. Then as he prayed unto the Lord, there came a pillar of fire and it dwelt on a rock. Um, so that one should just bing, 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 right? We got a hundred bells going oh. off. Pillar of fire. We love hymn number six, Redeemer of Israel. Talks about a pillar, um, a cloud by day and a pillar by night. And it's referring to that pillar of fire that the Israelites followed. Then again, into the wilderness as they were being delivered. So immediately we should start making a mental note that this story of the Lehites and the Nephites is going to be one where they're being saved and delivered from a wicked leadership and city and they're going to be led into the wilderness to a promised land just like exodus it is a new exodus and they're going to be led by this pillar of fire and the pillar of fire we also see <coughs> um i wrote down some other times i just you know looked it up really quickly um but the pillar of fire you see it in exodus but we also see an acceptable sacrifice when a sacrifice was accepted that uh, leviticus 9 or in Solomon's temple, acceptance of the temple, Second Chronicles 7, or Elijah's big battle on Mount Carmel, that this pillar of fire would come down and consume the uh, sacrifice. So if Lephi was out sacrificing, that could be it. But additionally, this pillar of fire, um, rabbinical literature calls it the Shekinah or the Shekinah, which means the presence or the dwelling of God. And it always seems to go where the tabernacle is. So when the children of Israel are wandering around the desert, they're following this pillar of fire at night, and at day, it's a cloud. Makes sense, right? Because you could see it better if it was dark during the day and light during the night. And so this presence, and then when it stopped, that's where the Levites built the tabernacle. And so then it was dwelling right there. That was the Lord's dwelling. So they set up this presence. So acceptable sacrifice, leading the Israelites, filling the sanctuary, the presence of God, leading the people. Um, also a rock. So very similar on Sinai. I looked up uh, how many times a rock was used and 95 times in the Old Testament. So 95 times the term rock, that's not just it was a rock laying on the ground, but something specific. And so on Sinai, there was a rock. Um, and then as they travel, the Israelites travel through the 
desert, right? There's a rock. Um, and they, Moses strikes it with a, his staff and then the water comes out and they're fed the living water and they're, they're able to live. And so, and again, we hear the rock of Israel. And so these two symbols should just set off alarm bells that this is an Exodus story. This is the Lord of ancient days. This is the same Lord um, that is going to lead Lehi to a new Exodus, to a new promised land and coming to a new prophet. So when that comes up, you go, came a pillar of fire and it dwelt on a rock. If Lehi was to recognize any symbol of the presence of the Lord, that would be it. The pillar of fire on a rock would be what he would recognize. Now, if think about our day, think about somebody like Joseph Smith that may not have resonated with Joseph growing up when he did, or maybe with us. And so we might um, see the presence of God. He may speak to us in a way that would communicate more specifically. But in ancient days, this was certainly uh, had all the symbolism that they needed that the Lord was there. And it should speak to us as well as readers of the ancient scripture. Uh, so there you go. So there, I can keep going on and on, but I just love that right there. Then it says he saw and heard much. Uh, we don't get a record of that. We don't. He saw and heard a lot. So he's he's getting instructions. He's seeing other things besides just a, a pillar. There's he's getting instructions, and so oh, just to know what was being told them. But it said, and because of the things he did, quake and tremble. Uh, I, I think that's so often what happens to the prophets. I love reading uh, um, whether it's Ezekiel. 19 or whether it's Isaiah 6 right they're like oh no oh no no <laughs> I'm going to be destroyed right I'm an unclean person in the presence of the Lord um in John's vision and revelation right at some point too he weeps he's like whoa so I I love that reaction it seems so real these are such real people in these stories but he sees and hears and he trembles and quakes I think also maybe because of the messages he was hearing which we're going to learn about Jerusalem and then it came to pass that he returned to his own house where he cast himself on his bed, being overcome with the spirit and the things that he'd seen. It seems like these spiritual experiences have a way of wearing people out. Uh, we're going to read uh, later in the Book of Mormon where the Lamanites, when they have these different experiences, they, they pass out as if dead. Um, and and I that, that experience, you can just see it here. Also, Joseph Smith, after his visions of Moroni, after three times, and then the fourth time, right, is this young boy, and he he's just falling over himself. His dad sends him home uh, to go to bed sick. He can't even ch run over a fence. I mean, this is, a, this is a young guy, a strong guy who chops wood for a living, and he can't stay up for one night. Um, so this is just exhausting. Um, and you see that that parallel over and over again. Um, one of my favorite stories is in section 76, actually 76, 76, Joseph, it says, was beaming and, and, you know, this power just emanating from him after witnessing the vision and Sidney Rigdon was exhausted and, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but, you know, laying in the pew and they said, wow, uh, Sidney's having a tough time with this. And Joseph said, Sidney isn't as used to it as I am. And I love that, you know, Joseph as a boy was exhausted, but after a lifetime of visions of the other side and unveilings, he becomes more used to this spiritual experience. Um, and so here is Lehi having the same thing, he goes to his house and he's just, he's exhausted. He casts himself on his bed, just blah, but also he's overcome with the spirit. And then back to back, we get another vision. And now this vision should strike us as one that seems very familiar to others in the scripture. It says, um, and thus being overcome, he was carried away in a vision 
So very similar um, to whether it's Daniel or some of the others. Uh, he's carried away. He saw the heavens open. So again, an unveiling. He sees the heavens and he thought he saw God sitting on his throne, surrounded with numberless concourses of angels in the attitude of singing and praising God. So first, very similar to, to uh, John's vision, very similar to Daniel's vision in Daniel 7, uh, very similar to Ezekiel, a God on his throne, uh, surrounded by angelic beings, very similar to, um, well, John, they're singing, the angels sing, we're part of it. And then we see also um, Isaiah uh, seeing a vision of God on his throne and, and surrounded by angelic beings. Uh, amazing. Why, why are these stories the same? Why, why do people, when they see this divine council, now why are they seeing the same things? Uh, are they seeing the same things? Is it something to tell us? Interesting. Don't know. But I think there's something there. Then there's another part that's so fascinating. In verse 9 it says, Came to pass he saw one descending out of the midst of heaven, and he beheld that his luster was above that of the sun at noonday. Who's this one? He sees one coming out of the divine council. I think we would say it was the Lord. It's the Savior. Um, this is Christ in his pre-mortal form coming down. Um, it's certainly capitalized with that. It's certainly the one that would interact with us, the chosen one. So I don't think there's any doubt at that who that was, but but it doesn't say. It just says one descending and one come down. And But he is so lustrous. He's so great. Um, there's no doubt this is a heavenly messenger. And then he also saw 12 others following him, and their brightness did exceed that in the stars of the firmament. Firmament. Who are the 12? Who are the 12? Who do you think that is? When you think of 12, who do you think of? Yeah, probably the 12 apostles. So you're probably thinking maybe it's the ancient 12 apostles, or maybe like John's vision and Revelation, you're thinking of the 12 apostles and then the other 12. Maybe it's 12 from our day. Maybe it's 12 disciples, um, something. What would Lehi have seen it as? If Lehi or someone in Nephi's day had seen the 12, they don't have apostles. So what would the 12 have been? Probably representatives of the 12 tribes of Israel. So the priesthood. Remember, if we're thinking of an exodus, it reminds me of a representative of each of the 12 tribes that are going to be the elders and they're going to lead them uh, to the new promised land. But then the next part is so fascinating too because it says these, these 12 who also were very bright, like stars, they came down, and they went forth upon the face of the earth. So, so they're out on the earth, these 12, these special 12. And the first came and stood before my father, and he gave him a book, and he bade that he should read. So there's a book. Um, so here is an angelic uh, a, a vision of God, a vision of Christ of the 12, and they don't just tell him things. We did see that. <coughs> Said that Lehi heard and, and, and saw many things. And then we're seeing and hearing many things here. But then he gives him a book. What was the book? What was in the book? And it said he read many things. Um, why a book? Why not just tell him? I mean, you're there, why not just have a conversation? I mean, that strikes me as really, really interesting that during an, an interaction with the holy that there's going to be a book are there any other examples you can think of when a book um some kind of document is given to someone um let's see 
well, in John, right, there's the book of remembrance. And then the Lord, the father has the book with the seals, the scroll uh, with the seven seals on it. And there's a book and the only one who's worthy to open it is the lamb. Um, so there's a book there. Uh, there's a book in Josiah, which we just read last time about this book that um, was the law and was given. And then Huldah, the prophetess, not only reads it, but also gives more insight, thus saith the Lord, from the book. Um, there's a book given to Joseph Smith that in that book he's going to receive revelations and he's going to also see other uh, ancient documents, book of Abraham, book of Moses, other um, receive other revelations through that book, not just what that book says, but other things. So it's a medium to communicate. So this book, um, I never put it together before, but there is a book in this story. All right, so who was the Book of Mormon written for? The Lamanites, the Jew, the Gentile, and our day. And what are you reading right now? A book. I think there's something here. We're coming to the new promised land. This co the covenants are going to be restored, and we're going to be given a book. All right, so he, he gets the, uh, Lehi gets the book, and he reads it. And it says in verse 12, And it came to pass that he's ready, was filled with the Spirit of the Lord. And then he says, oh, whoa. He's, he reads, this is the quote that he reads. Whoa, whoa, unto Jerusalem, for I have seen thine abominations. So he's seeing the future in this book. Yea, and many things did my father read concerning Jerusalem. So in this book are, are prophecies. Um, and here's just a synopsis, that it should be destroyed, that the habits thereof, they should perish by the sword, and many should be carried away captive into Babylon. Now it's exactly... What the other prophets that we learned about in verse 4 were prophesying, and then here we're seeing it in this book. And it came to pass that when my father had read and seen many great and marvelous things, what do you think he would say? Pause right there. He has seen a vision of the Lord, a vision of the Savior, a vision of the Twelve. Uh, he's read many things. Um, he's been carried away in, in two visions. Um, what... And some of it's, we just left with this sadness of abominations. And then what is he going to say? Great and marvelous are thy works, O Lord God Almighty. And that would be the title I would use to Lord God Almighty, the all-powerful one. Thy throne is high in the heavens, and thy power and goodness and mercy are over all the inhabitants of the earth. And because thou art merciful, thou wilt not suffer those who come unto thee that they shall perish. So did you feel like that was a little bit of a non sequitur? Like it <coughs> jumps a little bit. It was like, whoa, whoa. And then like, oh God, so merciful. Um, I did. I was like, that wasn't what I was expecting you to say. Yes, God's powerful and you're in a throne and this praising, that seems like a very natural reaction. And that is worth study that line right there. But the next part's what got me off hand. It was like, what? But I think this is the message to us and the message to the Nephites and the Lamanites of the Book of Mormon. Here's the great theme of the Book of Mormon. There's one of them, right? That thou art, because thou art merciful, thou wilt not suffer those who come unto thee that they shall perish. That as we turn to the Lord, as we seek him and live, that we will be redeemed and delivered. And that God has a plan for everyone that we can be redeemed. That's the great plan. And that is the vision that Lehi has. Oh, there's this badness coming, but not not all. It's not going to be perfect. It's going to be a struggle. 
and it's going to be pretty tough. He, he's not going to save them for everything, but he's going to save them from the destruction of Jerusalem. And that, those are the visions of Lehi. Uh, of Lehi. And then it ends with this. And after this manner was the language of my father in the praising of his God. For his soul did rejoice, and his whole heart was filled because of the things which he had seen, yea, which the Lord had shown him. I love that, that even when it seems like this destruction and these bad things are coming, that his soul did rejoice, and his whole heart was filled. And I think that should be our message as well, that Lehi's vision and the Lord's plan for us is one that as we turn to him, our whole self can be filled with spirit. All right, Scriptorians, what do you think? We've gone way over time, but amazing parts of this vision of Lehi. Um, I want to leave that with you. It's worth pondering. I think it's strong as we see the themes of God redeeming us, wanting to communicate with us, but also a call to a new exodus, a new deliverance to a new promised land. That someone, uh, that everyone should read. All right, one quick story before we go into how to study a little bit more.